welcome to the Good Fight Sports Podcast, your home for local sports here in the 574. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Good Fight Sports Podcast. My name is Kenny Kramer, and this is episode number 35. Today is October 15th. And we're going to jump right into this right into this one. This is the week nine recap uh, for ten fourteen and ten fifteen. Um, high school football season, regular season that is, is over with, and now we turn our attention to sectionals and the tournament starting this upcoming week for classes one A through four A. 5A and 6A have buys. So um, if you haven't checked out the uh, sectional pairing show from October 13th, uh, check it out. Uh, this gives a complete breakdown of the all of the local sectionals and as well as predictions and who I think is going to make it to state from the north and who's going to win state so on and so forth. Anyway, uh, let's jump right into the recap, uh, starting with the spotlight game of the week uh, for week nine, which was number six in 4A, Northridge, seven and one, at number 11, 6A, Warsaw, uh, seven and one. Uh, these two teams were fighting for a shot to get a share of, of the Northern Lakes uh, Conference title. Uh, it was a rain fest down in Warsaw. Uh, the weather was not in favor of throwing the ball, which Northridge kind of kind of does uh, offensively. And Northridge did keep the game close uh, up until the uh, second half where the Tigers kind of started to pull away. And they ended up winning uh, 24 to 10. Uh, Warsaw did. And they get a share of the NLST title. Uh, and they share it with Mishawaka, who also won. And we'll get into that game uh, a little bit later. Uh, so Warsaw improves to 8 and 1 on the season. Um, and uh, Northridge uh, falls to 7 and 2. Um, uh, and uh, Northridge, wow, Northridge will look to in, uh, bounce back against Logansport next week on the road. Uh, Logansport comes into that uh, matchup three and five. Uh, the next game, Culver zero and eight at number four to a Laville. Uh, there, there was no question about this game from the start and even even way before uh the season even started Laville was going to beat Culver um it was just how much how many points was Laville going to put up uh, and this one they routed Culver 52 to nothing at Lancer Field uh, Laville did not attempt a uh PAT kick uh, they went for two all night long and I like that I like the fact that you know the coach uh, Kaiser was like, you know what? Let's not even kick the ball. Uh, we don't even want to have any sort of um, 
botched snap or something like that. Let's just go for two every single time. Um, and it's good to work on your two-point conversions too because you don't know when you're going to need those down the road. So LaVille, uh, this is a good confidence booster for them coming into the start of sectional play as they host Andrean this upcoming Friday night. And uh, LaVille moves to 8-1 and one on the season. Uh, Jeff Kaiser, as a coach, moves to 8-1 and one on, on his tenure as first-year head coach. And Culver falls to 0-9 on the season. Wawasi 1-7 at number 8 in 5A Mishawaka. Uh, I hinted at this a little bit ago when I'm talking about uh, Warsaw Northridge. The Cavemen did beat Wawasee, and they also have a share of the NLC title. They share it with Warsaw, and uh, the Cavemen dominated the whole game uh, en route to a 41-22 win uh, over the uh, Wawasee Warriors. Uh, it was 41 to nothing at half. So if you're wondering, it's like, oh, wow, they dominated. The, the Mitchell Walker dominated the whole game. Yeah, they did. It was 41 nothing at half, running clock in the second half. So Mitchell Walker is now 7 and 2 and looks to continue their winning ways in sectional in two weeks. And uh, Wallace C falls to 1 and 8 and will look off to knock off South Bend Riley uh, in sectional play. And that should be. A game where South Bend Riley can't take Wawasee lightly. Um, and that'll lead me into something that I will talk about in just a little bit. Uh, and finally, South Bend Adams 1 and 7 at number 8 and 6A. Penn 7 and 1. Penn dominated this one, obviously. Uh, they won 42 to nothing uh, against the Eagles on senior night at Everwise Freed Field. Uh, this is their 50. Uh, this is a Kingsman. 50th win in the season, uh, in the series, actually. Uh, they lead that series 50-2 to and secure their 41st conference title since joining the NIC in 1977. So that just shows you the complete dominance Penn has had over the, NI, over the NIC since 77. And uh, the Kingsmen improved to 8-1 on the year. Uh, they will start sectional play again in two weeks. When they face Elkhart, Adams falls to 1-8, will also be uh, playing in two weeks, and they will play at Concord. Uh, so before I go into local scores, I wanted to talk about what I, w- what I wanted to talk about here. Um, this year is definitely the year where the IHSA needs to figure out a different way to do sectional pairings the draw a blind draw just does not work anymore it is basically the lazy man's way of making the tournament there are teams that do not deserve a spot in sectional or a spot in the tournament mind you culver being a prime example of that culver is 0-9 culver does not deserve to be in the tournament the tournament should should be for teams that have earned a right meeting a standard of wins to qualify for the tournament. I'll use I'll use uh, the way that Michigan does their high school football. 
Michigan, you have to win six games in order to be considered and qualify for the state tournament. That is a good thing to use down here uh, in Indiana. And if you don't want to do six, do five. You know, you win five games, you're in. You don't, you're out. Uh, What the IHSA also needs to do is consider going by sectional standings, uh, the Sagarin ratings, class ranking. um, All of that should be taken into account when doing these pairings because you can't have good matchups right off the bat and then crappy matchups for a sectional championship. You just can't. Like, LaVille, LaVille, yes, they should be at home, but LaVille also should have the bye in their sectional because there's a there's an odd number of teams in their sectional, so LaVille should have a first-round bye and only should have to play two games in sectional, not three. So the IHSA should be looking at a different way to do this because the blind draw is terrible. It doesn't work. Maybe it worked for the years prior and all that stuff when you first created this and all that stuff. But now the, you you got to start looking at different ways to do it, spicing, spicing up the tournament. Because when you have a good game right off the bat, yeah, it's going to draw crowds. But then when you get the sectional championship, you got this crappy matchup. Why would you go to that one? Because so the the blind draw just doesn't work anymore. It is it's a lazy man's way of making the tournament, like I've like I've said, and the IHSEA just needs to redo how they do uh, sectional pairings, uh, and that goes and that goes for basketball too. Like if you want to use a blind draw, maybe for soccer and stuff like that, that's fine. But when you do main sports, football and basketball both boys and girls basketball, you need to redo everything. Go by the Sagarin ratings. Go by sectional standings. You know, if you have those things, why not utilize them? Make the sectional more more, more of a turn, tournament style. You know, maybe do, maybe do a, a sectional pairing, then come out and do regional pairings, you know. Mind you, keeping teams local, not making them travel over Kingdom Come like Tippy Valley is for their sectional when they have to drive all the way down to Indianapolis Bishop Chatard to most likely get their butts whipped. So, you know, the IHSA needs to make sure it needs to actually sit down and assess if the blind draw is something that actually works. Because I'm here to say... And here to preach on, it does not work at all. It is, it is the worst thing the IHSEA can do. It makes Indiana football, Indiana high school football, look terrible. We're, we're the only state that does not do a um, sectional rating for its tournament. Like we we don't we don't do rating we don't do rankings for sectional. We don't do any of that stuff. Because we have a blind draw and everyone makes the tournament.
We need to stop being, you know, I'm a, I don't want to say that because I could draw, you know, bad crowds. But, you know, it needs to be said. It's like stop including teams that don't deserve a shot. Culver, Caston, teams like those. Two teams, for example, they do not deserve a shot in sectional. They do not. They do not deserve to be going into the state tournament. LaVille, they've earned that right. Penn, they've earned that right. Warsaw, Northwood, Northridge, teams like those, they've earned their right to go to the state tournament. They are the ones that should be competing for a state championship. Not Culver and not Caston and teams that do not have at least five wins. Rank the sectionals. Rank the regionals. Semi-state, you could probably leave that one go. But spice up the tournament. Quit being lazy. Give the fans what they want. The fans have been calling for years for sectionals to be ranked. This year is a prime example of why sectionals, at least in football, should be ranked. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk on that one. So local scores from Week 9. Bluffton, 32-14 win over Lakeland. Boone Grove defeated Hammond Knoll, 47-0. Concord defeated Plymouth, 46-6. Crown Point beat Michigan City, 38-0. East Noble put up a 70-burger on Belmont, and they won 70-7. Fairfield beat Cherubusco 33 to nothing. Garen Catholic took it to CMA 42 to 7. Hanover Central whipped Hammond Central. Hanover Central beat Hammond Central 35 to nothing. That is a tongue twister right there. Hobart defeated Highland 48 to nothing. John Glenn defeated South Bend Washington 53 to 20. Knox Defeated Caston 15 to nothing and claims the uh, Hoosier North Conference title outright. Laporte beat Portage 12 to nothing. Merrillville beat Chesterton 35 to seven. Mishawaka Marion defeated their arch rivals South Bend St. Joe 16 to 10. New Prairie squeaked out a win against Elkhart 16 to eight. North Judson beat Pioneer 33 to 12. North White beat West Central 20 to 18. Northwood beat Goshen 22 to nothing. Northfield defeated uh, North Miami 18 to 8. Nor Norwell defeated Columbia City 28 to 23. That's four straight losses now for Columbia City, mind you too. They are five and four after starting the year five and zero. Oh. Peru beat Manchester 52-6. River Forge defeated Lake Station 62-6. Rochester beat McConaughey 36-14. South Bend Clay defeated Bremen's JV 24-12. South Bend Riley defeated Jimtown to win the, the uh, NIC South Division Championship 
outright, 24 to 12. Tippecanoe New Valley defeated Bremen, 51 to 16. Tri County defeated North Newton, 56 to 20. Triton beat Winnemac, 35 to 6. Valpo Valpo beat Lake Station, 47 to 7. West Noble beat Prairie Heights, 48 to 7. And Wheeler defeated Griffith, 27 to 6. Then some other scores from around the state, some that caught my eye in some big games. Uh, Alexandria beat Madison Grant, 20 to 14. Ben Davis absolutely walloped North Central of Indianapolis, 50 to 3. Brownsburg beat uh, Hamilton Southeastern, 21 to 14. Carroll beat Flora. Carroll of Flora beat Sheridan, 24 to nothing. Center Grove uh, got the win over Indianapolis Cathedral, 45 to 38. Evansville Wrights defeated Evansville Modern Day, 14 to 10. Gibson Southern beat Boonville, 35 to 8. Hamilton Heights beat West Lafayette, 26 23. Bishop Chatard finishes the regular season undefeated, uh, defeating Cincinnati Elder, 34 to 7. Lafayette Jeff upsets Kokomo, 34-21. Lawrence Central upsets Carmel, 21-17. Martinsville upsets Plainfield, 13-6. South Putnam beat Cascade, 20-17. Western Boone beat Lebanon, 27-21 in overtime. And Westfield defeated Franklin Central, 28-19. So, this brings us to the final rankings of my top 15 of the high school football local teams. Um, The coaches poll, the final coaches poll for week nine will also come out tomorrow. So, I will give those rankings when I do the preview for the first round of sectional play uh, this upcoming week. So to the uh, local high school football top 15 for me, uh, number one finish, uh, Number one is Penn. They finished the year number one. Crown Point finishes the year number two. I have Warsaw at three, Valpo at four, Knox at five, LaVille at six, Northridge adopts to seven, New Prairie's at eight, Mishawaka's at nine, Northwood 10, Typical New Valley, 12, uh, 11. South and Riley, 12. North White, 13. Rochester, 14. And Triton will finish the year ranked 15th for me. Uh, I'm not going to do um, rankings for the sectional play. Uh, these will be the final rankings of the 2023 season and will resume next year for the 2024 season. Um, going through each each class uh, in the coaches poll um, and the wins and losses for each class for the coaches poll uh, in 6A, um, they were 7-3 and three in Week 9. Uh, in Week 9 for 5A, they went 9-1. and one. Um 
4A also went 9 and 1 in week 9 and so did 3A they went 9 and 1 in week 9 2A was 7 and 3 and 1A was also 7 and 3 in week 9 so the final conference standings for the year uh, starting with the Hoosier North Knox finishes 7 and 0 Laville finishes 6 and 1 Triton 5 and 2 North Judson 4 and 3 Pioneer 3 and 4 Winnemac 2 and 5 Caston 1 and 6 and Culver 1 and 7 So the overall um, win losses for those teams is Knox at 8 and 0 at 9 and 0 uh, Laville at uh, 8 and 1 Triton at 6 and 3 North Judson at 5 and 4 uh, Pioneer 4 and 5 Winnemac 3 and 6 Caston 1 and 8 and Culver 0 and 9 In the NIC East West Division or the Big Division Penn finishes uh, 5 and 0 8 and 1 overall Penn is the NIC East Division champion um their Big Division champion um 41st conference title like I said uh, New Prairie, uh, they're four and one. They have finished four and one. Uh, they're seven and two. Mishawaka Marion finishes three and two. Uh, they're five and four. Elkhart finishes two and three. They're three and six. Uh, South Bend St. Joe finishes one and four. They're four and five. And South Bend Adams finishes zero oh and five, and one and eight. In the NIC South, South Bend Riley wins the conference championship outright. Um, they're five and zero, and there's eight and one overall. Uh, John Glenn finishes three and one. They're five and four. Jimtown finishes two and two. They're four and five. South Bend Clay finishes two and three. They're three and six. Bremen finishes one and three. They're four and five, and South Bend Washington finishes one and four. They're two and seven. Uh, Northern Lakes, Warsaw, and Mishawaka finish both finish six and one. Warsaw is eight and one, and Mishawaka is seven and two. Northwood and Northridge both finish five and two, and both teams are also seven and two. Concord finishes three and four. They're five and four. Plymouth finishes one and six. They're two and seven. And Goshen and Wawasee both finish one and six as well. And both of those both of those teams are also one and eight. Now let's move to probably the best game that I saw this past week. And that was Notre Dame and Southern Cal. And Notre Dame absolutely demolished. Um, Southern Cal by the score of 48-20. to 20. Uh, Notre Dame forced five turnovers, three interceptions, and two fumbles. So let's go. I'm actually going to break this game down a little bit. So first, first series for uh, spoiled children, uh, Xavier Watts picked off Caleb Williams, and that set up the offense uh, inside the red zone at the 12-yard line. 
and it took three plays for Notre Dame to cash in a touchdown on a Sam Hartman four-yard touchdown pass to Jabron Payne, uh, and that got the Irish going. The Irish were offense was in really good field position most of the game. Um, next possession for SC, Notre Dame defense forced the punt, um, but then had to punt the ball right back to the Trojans. Um, and on that drive, USC would cash in on a field goal, um, and that would end the first quarter of scoring um, with Notre Dame ahead 7-3. to three. Following that, Notre Dame marched down the field and got a field goal of the of themselves, uh, pushing it back up to a touchdown game at ten to three. Uh, on the ensuing kickoff, um, on the ensuing possession for Southern Cal, uh, J.D. Bertrand um, just blew up the fourth and one play uh, for the Trojans at the Irish twenty nine yard line uh, and forced a turnover on downs. However, right after that, the Irish offense had to punt the ball and went three and out once again. For USC's next possession, uh, Xavier Watts, three plays later, uh, picked off uh, Caleb Williams again and uh, returning it and returned it all the way to the Trojan two-yard line. And then Audric Estime punched it in uh, on the next play, making it 17-3. to um, SC went four plays uh, on their next possession and then threw, and then Caleb Williams again threw another pick, this time to Benjamin Morrison uh, at the 50-yard line. And then Notre Dame cashed that turnover into six points five plays later on an Audric Estime one-yard touchdown run, making it 24-3. to uh, And the final possession... For the Trojans in the first half, they were able to do cash in on a field goal, which um, it was on third down. Notre Dame got a big sack of Caleb Williams with, I believe, about eight seconds left, maybe 11. But USC did not have any timeout, so they couldn't stop the clock. Notre Dame, I believe they had two timeouts left. But after the sack, uh, Notre Dame some, not all of the not all of the Notre Dame defense, but just some of the Notre Dame defense was celebrating uh, while while also substituting. So Notre Dame had twelve guys on the field, and also there were a few Notre Dame football player uh, defensive players for Notre Dame offside. If the snap from USC would have been good, um, looking at it, I don't think USC got the snap off before the clock hit zero. Um, but it didn't matter because uh, Marcus Freeman called a timeout to avoid um, either getting a offside penalty or a illegal substitution for too many men on the field penalty as well. So. You know, it, it, it could have gone either way. Um, but I think Freeman did the right thing by, you know, calling that timeout. That way he avoids any sort of, you know, penalty that gives USC a first down, stuff like that. Then they keep the drive going. 
So USC kicked a field goal at that point to make it 24 to 6 going into halftime. Second half, both teams exchanged three and outs to start the half. Um, then and then after a second Notre Dame three and out, the Trojans found the end zone for the first time, cutting the Irish lead to 11 at 24 to 13. And then right after that, uh, the Irish offense responded, and Sam Hartman hit Chris Tyree on a 46-yard touchdown pass, making the score 31 to 13. Uh, both teams again exchanged three and outs. Then on the next possession for the Trojans, they found the end zone once again, and then also cutting the lead back down to 11 at 31 to 20. Then on the ensuing kickoff, um, Jadarian Price took the kickoff 99 yards for a touchdown, and that is looking back at the history. I believe that is the second longest kickoff return for a touchdown inside Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, I believe the lo- the longest one that I saw was 100 yards, and that was, be- I believe it was the actual home, like the actual home home opener inside Notre Dame Stadium back when the, back when the stadium was actually completed and they played SMU. And there was a kick, and the I don't know, Notre Dame uh, kick returner went 100 yards for a touchdown. Uh, that that that's what I saw doing a little bit of you know digging to see what the longest kick return inside Notre Dame Stadium was. Uh, I know there was a 97 yard kickoff return at one point, if I'm not mistaken. But I believe the longest one was 100 yards, and Jadarian Price would have the second longest kick return for a touchdown inside Notre Dame Stadium. And then that made it that made the score 38 to 20. Uh, and then after that, after that kick return, USC didn't stand a chance. Um because because I I listened to a little bit of the press conference for SC um just to see what Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams would have to say. And I, I kind of I kind of agree with them because USC was starting to get a little bit of momentum. They were starting to move the ball offensively. Um, and then, you know, that back, the back-breaking thing for SC was that kick return. Um, that and the fact they also had five turnovers. But that's neither here nor there. But that USC was starting to get a little bit of momentum. I'm not going to say they had all of it, but they were starting to get a little bit because they were starting to move the ball. They were scoring. Notre Dame kind of struggled. They were punting the ball most most of the time. When they absolutely had to score, they were scoring. But for the most part, they, they weren't moving the ball at all. Um, and then Jadarian Price goes 99 yards. And, I mean, there was no offense needed for Notre Dame on that one. And then the defense comes out. The defense is hyped up because now they're back in the lead by 18 points. They can come out. They can play free. They can play, you know, I I don't want to say not to lose. But they can play, you know, carefree and stuff like that. And the USC offense after that just looked abysmal. 
credit that to the Notre Dame defense. Uh, that ha- that has everything to do with the Notre Dame defense. Al Golden had a perfect game plan for Caleb Williams. It looked like um, Al Golden was taking a page out of his experience in the NFL trying to contain, I believe it was Joe Burrow. No, it was because um, he was with Cincinnati, and he was trying to contain Patrick Mahomes. I think Al Golden used a lot of what he did in that game against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City in this game against USC and Southern Cal. The the defense really contained Caleb Williams, did not let him scramble, scramble around all that much and create plays uh, by him scrambling around and extending the length of plays too. Williams was contained inside the pocket. He was hit constantly. He was sacked. He was hurried. You, you know, it, it, all of the defensive stats, Notre Dame just owned USC in. And so, you know, after the 99-yard kickoff return, the Irish defense forced USC to go three and out um, and then got a, then got a field goal. Uh, making it a 21-point game. And then on the next possession for the Trojans, and the first play, Cam Hart uh, punched the ball out of a USC receiver right after he caught the ball. And then Xavier Watts scooped it up and scored a touchdown. I I will say when Xavier Watts scooped the ball up, um, he kind of jogged into the end zone and had a USC um, player right behind him coming in Looked like he he almost stripped the ball of Xavier Watts, and if he did, that's a big time momentum shift because Notre Dame is up forty-one to twenty. So let's say Xavier Watts he gets the ball stripped in the end zone. USC recovers, they get the ball at the twenty-five. I think at that point, what if they went down and scored? You know, so that's it's forty-one to twenty-seven. We we still got a ball game because it's a 14-point game, you know, and then that USC defense is kind of hyped up because they just stopped Notre Dame from scoring on a turnover. And the offense is clicking for SC because they just scored a touchdown. And then the offense for Notre Dame has to come out. They haven't – they weren't really doing anything the whole game. Mind you, there was a lot of – there was spurts where they were doing something, but most of the time they were getting – three yards and a cloud of dust. But that's neither here nor there. We don't have to worry about that. And then after that touchdown, that the game was just blown open after that. And that made the score 48-20. to 20. Um, And then again, towards the end of the game, Xavier Watts stripped a USC player of the ball uh, on the next possession, actually. And Notre Dame was able to just run out the clock from then on and secure the 28-point win over their arch rivals of Southern Cal and get back the Jewel Shalele that rightfully belongs in South Bend, Indiana, and will reside here until next year, um, where it should stay next year too. Uh, we should beat SC again. So with the win, Notre Dame moves to 6-2 and two on the year. 
and they enter a well-needed and much-needed bye week um, and will face Pittsburgh in two weeks. And SC falls to 6-1. and one. And I believe with this game, too, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame defense single-handedly knocked out Caleb Williams for any sort of shot at the Heisman Trophy. So he can kiss that Heisman Trophy goodbye. So some team stats. A lot of these are going to be offensive stats. You're going to be like, wow, USC really owned Notre Dame. No. Um, there are some stats that I'll read after these that just kind of prove how Notre Dame won. So the, the usual stats that I go through, total yards for Notre Dame, they had 251. Passing yards, Notre Dame had 126. Rushing yards, Notre Dame had 125. First downs, Notre Dame had 13. Tackles, Notre Dame had 56. Turnovers, Notre Dame nothing. And time of possession for Notre Dame was 25 minutes and 25 seconds. Total yards for USC, they had 302. Passing yards, they had 199. Rushing yards, they had 103. First downs, they had 23. Tackles, they only had 36. Turnovers, 5. And time of possession, 34 minutes and 35 seconds. Here are some defensive categories. And just kind of prove that Notre Dame's defense was the one that won this game. Tackles for loss, 8-1 in favor of Notre Dame. Sacks, 6-0 in favor of Notre Dame for a total of 44 yards. QB hits, 8-0 in favor of Notre Dame. Passes defended, 3-0 in favor of Notre Dame. Interceptions, 3-0 in favor of Notre Dame. And forced fumbles slash recovered fumbles to nothing in favor of Notre Dame. And then some other college football games. First off, uh, Stanford beat Colorado in double overtime, 46 to 43. And that it was after Colorado had a 29 nothing halftime lead get erased by Stanford in the second half. Um, Colorado has now lost their last three games. I don't see Colorado being Colorado. You know, I don't I don't see Colorado making it to a big-time bowl game. They're going to be lucky to finish the year, you know, with a winning record the way they're going. So, you know, maybe this wasn't the uh, year that uh, – Deion Sanders had in mind, but they weren't supposed to be good this year anyway. So I think they were they were a little overhyped at the beginning of the year. Uh, Oregon really put them in their in their place, and then Southern Cal did the same thing. Uh, and then I wasn't expecting Stanford to just beat Colorado, but they did. So Colorado, they just kind of got humbled <laughs> in this game. Uh, some top 25 uh, games here. Number one, Georgia defeated Vanderbilt 37-20. to Number two, Michigan beat Indiana 52-7. to Number three, Ohio State beat Purdue 41-7. to Florida State beat Syracuse 41-3. to 
Number 11, Alabama beat Arkansas 24-21. Number 12, North Carolina defeated number 25, Miami 44-31. Pitt upset number 14, Louisville 38-21. Number 15, Oregon State beat 18, UCLA 36-24. Number 16, Utah beat Cal 34-14. Number 17, Duke, defeated North Carolina State 24-3. Washington State absolutely forgot how to play football, apparently. Uh, Arizona beat number 19, Washington State, 44-6. Number 20, Tennessee, beat Texas A&M 20-13. And number 22, LSU, beat Auburn 48-18. My top 25... For this week, I have Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, Ohio State, three, and Florida State, four, Oklahoma at five. So the top five for me from last week to this week stay the same. Uh, I have Washington at six. Um, They exchange spots with Penn State, uh, who I have at seven. Texas moves up to eight. Uh, North Carolina jumps up to number 9. Alabama stays at 10. Oregon falls to 11. Um, I have Oregon State jumping up to 12. Uh, Utah jumps up to 13. Ole Miss jumps up to 14. Duke jumps up to 15. Uh, The way Notre Dame's defense looked and the way that they just absolutely just thoroughly crushed the Trojans I have them jumping up all the way to 16. Uh, USC, I have falling down to 17. Tennessee, I have at 19. Louisville falls to 20. Uh, And then from 21 to 25, I have teams that have not been in my rankings yet. Uh, I have Air Force at 21. Missouri at 22. They jump back in, actually. Uh, James Madison at 23. Fresno State jumps back in to 24, and then Oklahoma State enters at 25. And then also the AP poll will come out later today, so I will update the AP poll and then have the AP poll. I'll, I'll give the AP rankings uh, when I give the preview for the sectional uh, games this upcoming Friday. Um, that will That show will be... Thursday. So until then, so long, everybody. Hey, guys, it's Kenny, host of The Good Fight. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to hear more, you can check out our website at thelugnutspodcastgroup.com for all information related to the podcast and where to listen to us. You can also follow the Patreon page for exclusive benefits for the show. Join us next time for The Good Fight.